1: Remember
2: Austin Meyer, the guy who's giving away a million dollars in electric school buses?
3: In this video, he reveals the underbelly of the U.S. patent system. It all ties into why Tesla gives away their patents. Now, you'll need to be a little savvy here and read between the lines.
2: It's really awesome. You should definitely check it out. I'm Zach and I'm Jesse.
3: And you're watching In Depth on Now You Know. Now, you know that Valentine's Day is just around the corner, right? And
2: we've got you covered. Head on over to the Now You Know Clips channel. We have a super secret romantic surprise idea that you're not going to want to miss.
3: But uh, you didn't hear it from me. (laughs) (laughs) Link down below. And speaking of Valentine's Day, a Henson shaver would make a great gift for him
2: or her. Head on over to HensonShaving.com and remember to use the code NOWYOUKNOW to get 100 blades for free at checkout.
3: We want to thank Surfshark VPN for sponsoring this video.
2: Now, I know you're wondering why we're talking about a virtual private network company here on Now You Know, a channel about EVs and renewable energy.
3: But that's kind of the point.
2: Right, because you're watching us on a computer.
3: Right. Whether it's a smartphone or a laptop or a desktop computer, you're on a computer, which is on the internet right now. Yeah. And
2: you may not think about this much, but when you travel or go to the coffee shop and hop on their Wi-Fi, you're not protected unless you have a VPN.
3: And I'll be honest. The reason I didn't use a VPN until Surfshark was because I thought it was going to be super complicated, but it's not. It's super easy. I don't even have to think about it. Another benefit of Surfshark is that you can get content from sites like Netflix that you normally can't. And
2: Surfshark has CleanWeb. CleanWeb prevents malware or phishing attempts from getting to you. Plus, you can forget that ads and trackers
3: ever existed. Yeah, you don't think about bad things happening to you until it's too late. So think about it now. And then there's MultiHop, where you can connect via multiple countries at once to take ID protection and footprint masking to the next level. And don't forget about Camouflage Mode, which makes sure that even your internet provider can't tell you're using a VPN. Use our code to get eighty. 3% off and get three extra months for free. Surfshark offers a 30 day money back guarantee so you can try it out for yourself risk free. Go check it out. The link is in the description below. All right. So today we're interviewing Austin Meyer, but he's not going to be talking about giving away more electric buses. He's going to be letting you in on a problem that happened to him. Austin got sued for patent
2: infringement and he didn't just whine about it to us. He made a full-length feature documentary called
3: the patent scam which we urge you to watch we'll put the link down below now i had heard about patent trolls but i didn't understand how they operated until i watched austin's amazing documentary you're about to hear firsthand how broken our u.s patent system is from a guy who spent millions of dollars fighting a bogus patent lawsuit himself patents and intellectual property are the cornerstone of innovation or at least I thought they were. If you have a broken patent system, how can we expect companies like Tesla to innovate? All right, well, I'm so lucky today to have with us Austin Meyer. Now, you may remember Austin because he did that incredible thing where he gave a million dollars away in electric school buses. But we're not here today to talk to him about that. We're actually here to talk to him about something completely different. So, when I was doing a little research on Austin before about the electric school buses, um, I went to his website and I saw that he was in this movie called The Patent Scam. And Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, he's got like a little bit part that he does in The Patent Scam. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll put that on my to-do list, my watch list. And then I looked at IMDb and it said that it gets 7.5 stars. If you know anything about IMDb, you know that 7.5 stars is almost impossible to get on IMDb. So, I was like, this must be really good. So, I bumped it up to the top of my list, watched the movie and my head fell off. And I think I called you soon after that. And then you watched the movie.
2: And uh, yeah, because the one thing that you haven't mentioned was that uh, Austin Meyer was not just a small actor in the movie or a small part in the movie. Wrote, directed, produced... You you made the movie, Austin.
4: Right. So here's the name of the game. Um, X-Plane is my flight simulator. I put it on the app store, the Google app store. And the way the Google app store works is anybody can download an application. And then if they buy it, then the server tells the little, you know, phone, oh, this guy bought X-Plane. You can unlock it and go flying. Okay, that's the way the Google online store works. All the apps work this way. Well, someone called a patent troll, which is someone that writes patents that describe vague general ideas and then sue people that execute on that idea. Uh, someone claimed to own the idea of one computer uh, allowing access to software on a different computer. And this one sentence, like one sentence in the patent said, and I own the idea of one computer allowing access to software on a different computer. And because he wrote this little sentence down on a piece of paper, and by the way, many people wrote similar sentences on pieces of paper. He By no, no means did he have anything to do with Google or invent the Google Play Store. He uh, started suing many people, including me and the creator of Minecraft, by the way, for using the Google Play Store, because he claimed the Google Play Store was his idea. And when he sued us, uh, they they asked I give him $50,000 in cash uh, to go away and sign a non disclosure agreement to promise, you know, to never tell anyone what happened. And I was so mad about this. I said, well, he wants me to give him $50,000 in cash, leave the patent alone and sign an agreement promising I'll never say what happened. What is the worst thing I can do to this guy? Like, what's the worst thing I can possibly do and and get away with it or, or, or be legal? And the answer is I can overturn the patent, not give him the money, and make a documentary movie about him. And so that's what I did. I wanted to do the exact opposite of what he wanted. And so that's why I wrote the patent scam. I mean, I I conceived it, wrote it, started it, funded it, and, and everything else.
3: Now, before you do anything else, dear viewer, please stop this video and go watch the patent scam. We're gonna put links down below so you can find it. Cause I'm telling you, you are going to not only enjoy it, but also your head is gonna fall off as well. But I do have a question here, Austin. You just said that someone can write in a patent that they have an idea for something and then they can sue you, but I'm sorry. It can't possibly be true that that's how the patent system works because you can't just say, like, I have this idea for uploading to Google and therefore I'm the inventor of it. So let me just ask. So this guy who sued you. He works for Google
4: no he had nothing to do with Google I don't even think Google had ever even heard of him before I went to Google and said hey this guy's suing me can you guys help defend me you know you know help help me with my defense fees and uh, Google was like no eh, we don't really help with defense fees we, we, we can't really be involved in this thanks thanks anyway so they had never heard of him and, and had no part in this lawsuit
2: wait so okay okay so <laughs> I'm just processing this information. (laughs) So this guy doesn't work for Google, didn't write the Play Store, didn't. So, I mean, the, the, the Google Play Store is what is using, is that's where the code lives, right?
4: Correct. The Google Play Store has the concept and the code of saying if a person buys a thing, then the computer will unlock software. It'll say you bought it. I'll unlock it. That's what the Google Play Store does, and it does this through, of course, hundreds of thousands of lines of code, millions, you know, of of, of hours, and and ultimately billions of dollars in the whole e-commerce system, designing and building and testing and deploying and supporting, you know, this whole system, which are all the incredible things that Google did to make the Google Play Store possible. And of course, Apple did an incredibly, you know, amazing and, and equally incredible job with the App Store, maybe even a better job with the App Store. What the patent troll does is he writes down a sentence saying a computer unlocking software on another computer. I thought of the idea.
2: Okay, but wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. So it's got a I mean, it's a patent, right? So he this patent must have the code in it. Must have source no, no, code.
4: No. no patent ever has code. You need to remember what patents are actually used for. Patents are not used to share information. Patents are used to blockade competition. And so when you write a patent, you never, ever put anything useful in the patent. Because if you put anything useful in the patent, you would be sharing your secrets, which is the last thing you want to do. Instead, what you want to do is make sure nobody can compete with you. And so you file the patent with vague general terms that cover as many things as possible so that nobody can do the thing you wrote down in the patent. And that blockades competition. Now, if all that was happening is trolls were starting up stores, writing down patents, to blockade competition then what you would have is anti-competitive behavior or uh, monopolies as it's called and that would be bad however like all things that are pushed way past any sort of rational limit now we're to the point where trolls they don't even do the business they just do the patent and what they do, is they form a fake shell company, which is no more than a post-it note on an abandoned office building with absolutely nobody there. I know, I've been to these buildings myself. It's in the movie. But um, they form this, the fake company, and then they send in the the patent, which just has a vague general sentence. And now they're primed to file the lawsuits against anyone that actually does the work that is similar to the vague statement they move in their patent. So it's just an excuse for serial filing of unlimited lawsuits.
3: But hang on. You have a company called X-Plane where you actually invent a lot of stuff, but they weren't suing you about that. They were suing you about uploading it on the Play Store, which I'm sorry, don't thousands and bazillions of people do that every day?
4: Yes, absolutely. And so the reason they sued us for using the Google Play Store is they could sue a lot of people at once. For example, the guy that filed this lawsuit... I seriously don't think he knows a flight simulator from a hole in the ground. Okay, I don't even believe that he would be competent to say what I do in X plane, and I don't even think he could describe it in words and 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 file it with a patent office. But he knows to say, oh well, the Google Play Store, you know, they 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 exchange information between computers to unlock software, and so he writes down that vague sentence that sets him up to sue everyone. Now I'm going to tell you what's really interesting. Uh so this guy sued about a dozen people or so. All at the same time, you know, that way he gets a dozen possible people that will settle with him. For only one lawsuit, he actually has to go to the trouble to write. One of those defendants was Notch, the creator of Minecraft. So I sued alongside Minecraft. During the lawsuit, Microsoft acquired Minecraft. And so I was being sued alongside Microsoft. And Microsoft and I were named as defendants in the same lawsuit. During this process, I overturned the patent and made a documentary movie to tell you what I'm telling you now. Microsoft rolled over, gave them money and signed the non-disclosure agreement. Microsoft did not defend themselves against a patent troll, I did. Like I'm not exaggerating in any way. That is exactly what happened. Now you might be saying, well, wait a minute. Microsoft has more resources than Austin Meyer. Why is it Austin Meyer can overturn the patent, make a documentary, expose the whole thing while Microsoft just kind of signs a non-disclosure agreement, make sure nobody finds out what happened, send the money and just go walking away from it like it never happened. And then the question I want to ask you is, where does Microsoft get its value? Why is a, why is a share in Microsoft so valuable? Do you know?
2: <laughs> but wait, wait we have to go back, we have to go back. I'm so confused. So this so we have to go back to the, the lawsuit here. So there's a guy, he has a patent yep. on a, yep. uh, and it says that he can control a computer that can grant access to software.
4: He didn't say he could control it. He said he had the idea of somebody controlling it.
2: Maybe he made a mistake. Maybe he should have been uh, suing Google right? Because they own the Play Store, right? So why didn't he just sue Google? Why is, he, why is he going after you?
4: Well, I don't know if I can tell you why another person did a thing they do, but I can tell you that he expected the small businesses he sued to roll over and settle. And I can say this because they sent out the settlement agreements to us. He sued smaller businesses. Now, let me tell you, the cost to defend a patent troll lawsuit all the way through trial is 3 million dollars. It's not a, I didn't that's not a slip of the tongue or a factual error. It takes 3 million dollars to defend yourself against a patent infringement lawsuit. And the patent again It was used against me was like one sentence. It was a computer accessing data on another computer to unlock software. Like I'm not paraphrasing it. That's like basically exactly what it was, one sentence. And it's $3 million. And it normally runs about three to five years to defend against these types of lawsuits. For this reason, almost everyone settles. And so patent trolls historically They sue a lot of small businesses that are not gonna be able to defend themselves and they rack up the settlements. Then once they get rack up those settlements from the small businesses, then they go big game hunting now they go after the big companies and they say, now I'm up into the hundreds of millions of dollars of damages because you stole my idea. And my idea has already been proven valid. We already know it's valid because look at the small guys that decided to pay their licensing fees. And since the small businesses paid their licensing fees, now it's time for Apple, Google, and Microsoft to pay up. They often go after the small guys first to build credibility, and then they go big game hunting after that.
2: They're, they're, so they, they're suing for patent infringement because they called you up and they said, Austin, you're infringing on my patent, and no, you should pay they, me a the licensing. No,
4: they never call. They never call you when you're sued by a patent troll. You don't actually know who's suing you. They never call you, and they never communicate with you. You only receive the lawsuit, and your only point of communication is a lawyer. So I was wor- that that represents them. So I was working at a trade show in Wisconsin selling X-Plane. My cell phone rings, and it's a lawyer saying, "Hey, I noticed you've been sued for patent infringement. You know, maybe you'd like to hire me to represent you in this lawsuit." And My statement was, "I've never filed a." patent. I've never defended a patent. I've never looked at a patent. I can't be sued for patent infringement. You got the wrong guy. And he said, nope, nope, I don't have the wrong guy. Don't worry, you'll be getting the summons soon enough. And then sure enough, I get home from the trade show, still getting caught up in sleep. Someone's banging on door at 5 a.m. and it's a cop delivering the summons. So you said that they call you up. Uh, I wish they would call me up. No, personal communication is never possible. You find out you're sued when the summons show up and the lawyers start knocking on your door.
2: Okay, so there's a summons and it's a because there's a suit they're, they're gonna sue you.
4: They are suing me at this point. By the time you heard about it, the suit's already been filed.
2: Okay, so there, there's uh, they're suing you in court, which means that there's a court and that means that there's a judge. And, a, and we oh, have- perfect. A, this seems yeah. like it gets resolved there, right? Because we have a judicial
3: system in this country. There are judges. They are supposed
2: to be judges yeah, which you are like reasonable You should have called
3: people. me, Austin, because I'm not even a lawyer and I know that all you had to do was file like, I forget what it's called, but uh, like- A uh, dismissal. Yeah, dismissal. Like a, motion, uh, to motion to dismiss. There you and go. then a judge looks at it and goes, oh yeah, this is ridiculous and he throws it out. Why right. didn't you do that? That's
2: how the judicial system works, Austin. Well, you must have gone through the wrong process. You must talk to the wrong lawyers.
4: In in the Eastern District of Texas, which is where all of these lawsuits were filed at the time and it's spread out a bit more now. At the time, it's the Eastern District of Texas. Um, the judges are the fathers of the patent attorneys. So, uh, Judge uh, Leonard Davis, as I seem to recall, of his name, and other or like Bo Davis and Leonard Johnson, something like that. I don't even remember their names anymore. But the judges were the fathers of the patent attorneys, and each judge heard the other judge's son in court to avoid uh, a perceived conflict of interest, and on. Um, so, the, as long as the lawsuits were brought into the Eastern District of Texas, the money was flowing into the, the families of the uh, judges. And I should point out that in these lawsuits, like no defendant and no actual plaintiff was ever from the Eastern District of Texas. It was always a post office box or an abandoned office building in the Eastern District of Texas. The actual plaintiff, in my case, was in Australia. And typically, they're in New York and Florida and California. And they use these abandoned uh, office buildings in Texas to establish venue. And the judges have allowed venue transfer to where the plaintiffs are actually located or where the defendants are actually located zero times. The judges would not throw out the case. And even if all the defendants were in California, they would not allow the lawsuit to move to California. Once you're sued in the Eastern District of Texas, The judges were the fathers of the lawyers. The venue transfers out were always denied, and the summary dismissals were never granted. This happened historically. I'm not predicting the future based on ire or annoyance. I'm recording, or I'm I'm, I'm in recounting historical occurrence
3: well speaking of historical you must be talking about the 1800s or something like how could this happen in this century this
4: okay so wait this was just a pilot for
2: your hbo show about (laughs) this fictional thing that you're talking about this can't possibly be real you're saying Eastern District of Texas. We're talking
4: Dallas? No, one of the characteristics of this venue is there's no mm. major airports there. Um, It is the perfect place where it's almost impossible to defend yourself. It's just, it's kind of near Louisiana. It's, it's, it's Eastern District of Texas. It's far, many, many hours by car away from any major airport. And so once you're sued there, it's almost impossible to defend yourself. You wind up having to hire lawyers that are possibly the sons of the judges to defend you. And um, turns out they're actually not that cheap. And you have to find a way to get to these little kind of perverted little towns of Mayberry in the middle of nowhere with tumbleweeds blowing through You couldn't even get there to a major airport. I mean, literally the fact that I had a small little one propeller airplane that lets me go anywhere is is literally one of the only ways I could get to this place.
3: I mean, if you're watching this now and you're like, this sounds insane, you have to stop, like I said, and watch the movie because you will see Austin fly there and you will see what happens. And it's so important to the story to understand the whole story. We're acting like this is crazy because we have already seen the movie. I have
2: seen that movie and I still think it's (laughs) it's freaking crazy. Um, okay.
3: Okay. Okay. Wait, wait. So, so let me just, but but the other thing is you're not the only one this happened to like in the movie, we see a whole bunch of other very intelligent uh, business people who started businesses who got sued. And basically this could have put them out of business.
4: And in some people, some cases it did. Um, now some of these people are under non-disclosure agreement. Um, but in some cases I was able to find out, uh, what happened even so. And some people actually were put out of business, but they weren't allowed to say that they were put out of business. Um, but you'll see that not all of these, uh, the people in the movie have businesses right now. Some of them were, were forced to fold up. And, you know, it, it's, it's like, it's like your electric school bus video. You talk about IQ being lowered, like it's a clinical thing. It's not a clinical thing. It's a fundamental terror to our culture that we would drown ourselves in pollution and lower IQ. And, we talk about, oh, a business being shut down by a patent trolling lawsuit. That's, a, that's another clinical description. It doesn't do justice to so what's really happening. What's really happening is someone's empowerment and freedom and creativity and productivity is being ripped out from under them with um, what I would call an extortion that we're not allowed to call an extortion. Because anybody is allowed to file a lawsuit in America.
3: But this goes back to patents and I guess my misunderstanding of them. I thought there was a um, patent clerk who, when you filed your patent, didn't just stamp it, also had to look to see if it made any sense, common sense. Like, for instance, there was a patent that came up in your movie, which is, I think someone patented swinging sideways on a swing. And that doesn't make any sense. Like, common sense would say you can't patent that, but it got patented. I mean, aren't there some principles for a patent? It has to be a... Uh... You novel. Need, it right. has to be
2: uh, useful. It has to be uh, not obvious. Um, uh, some of these that were it, you talk about in your movie are like all of the things right. like didn't, the, the, didn't, the opposite of everything.
3: Didn't I see a patent in your movie of a stick for a dog to fetch to fetch? Like that's what the f- <laughs>
4: So here's what happens. Uh, everything Jesse said about a patent being unique and new and non-obvious, yeah, that's probably all written down somewhere. It has nothing to do with what actually happens. Let me tell you what actually happens, okay? Whenever you file a patent, the patent examiner gets this patent, and he is supposed to tell you whether anyone has ever written and invented anything like this before. You know, you know. when he gets a patent for, say, what, well, hey, let's use my case. No, let's use a swing on a swing sideways case. He gets a patent for swinging on a swing sideways. What he actually has to do, or what he actually does to determine whether or not the patent is valid, is see whether that thing has ever been patented before. Okay, so let me back out just a little bit more. They're supposed to be able to tell you whether an idea is new. The only way they have to decide if an idea is new is to see if it has been patented before. If it has not been patented before, they say it must not have been thought of before. This is because they are in the office at the patent office. They have no access or connection to the real world. They don't work in private industry. And apparently, when it comes to swinging on swings and fetching sticks, they don't go to the park either. They just sit there in their office, and their only access to information is previous patents. Now, here's a simple thought experiment. If a patent comes into the office and it has never been patented before... And the test for whether or not something has ever been thought of before is whether they can find a patent that describes it. Is everything in the world going to be patented?
3: Okay, so I get that someone one one day might have gotten this bright idea to patent these crazy things and go after people. But uh, in your movie, I learned that there is a company on the Nasdaq, like a big giant corporation that buys up these bogus patents and then goes and sues people like you. And that is their business model.
4: The Marathon Patent Group, I don't know if they're still in business. Maybe they've been finally shut down. But yeah, the Marathon Patent Group would do that. I think they call themselves Marathon to make sure that everybody they sue knows they're not going to stop, they're not going to give up, and you just better settle because otherwise you're, they're in it for the long haul. So um, yes, people will buy up these patents. They call themselves intellectual property firms or intellectual property accretion firms or something like that. But they buy up patents and then use the patents to sue people. Now, here's where it really gets kind of annoying. Uh University of Southern California, for example, the, the university puts out the patents. Well, once they got the patents, then the shareholders or the board or whoever does start saying, you know, we need to get some money from these patents. What do we do? And someone comes along and says, I can monetize your patent. And then the troll buys a patent from the University of uh, California and then starts using it to file lawsuits against people, including, of course, graduates from UCSD. So um, patents, are often, not always, but they're often created in good faith, but then acquired by a troll and then used as ammunition later. But increasingly though today, patents, they're not even created in good faith. They are created to blockade competition initially, and now they're created to be used by patent trolls. And here's how you can tell. In the patent that, uh, that was used to sue me, it had this sentence about a computer accessing another computer to unlock you know, uh, information, unlock a piece of software. I overturned the patent, okay? over the course of about five years, and the, and it was a joint defense group. There were like seven of us still in. We spent, I don't know, north of maybe a million and a half bucks or something like that. And we overturned this one sentence. And the patent troll's response was, oh, sure, you overturned claim seven, but now we think you've infringed on claim 117 and 35. And I'm like, what? And I go look at the patent. They'd said almost exactly the same thing 135 times. It was, a computer accessing another computer to unlock software. Next claim, a computer unlocking software by accessing another computer. Next claim, Multicomputers talking to each other, unlocking software. They just phrased this. They said the same thing 135 times or so. And that way it's like designing a battleship that can't be sunk, right? How do you design a battleship that can't be sunk? You make it compartmentalized. So you take out any one compartment and it doesn't sink the whole ship trolls design patents the same way. Say the same thing 130 times so you can keep people in court forever.
3: But I mean, that's why we're talking to you now on the Disruptive Investing Channel, because to disrupt means you have to innovate. And to innovate, we have the system in the world called patents where that gives you the incentive to, you know, I thought, I mean, this is what I'm saying, I'm thinking this is how it works, that you patent something so that now you have some breathing room to go and to work out how to make it work. And if you, it gives you that incentive so that if you do make it work, you can profit from it. That's why I thought it was supposed to work. Cause I mean, the patent office has been around since the 1700s. So I thought it was a great thing, but now you're telling me this seems like it's stopping innovation. So what's the, what's the answer here? Cause I mean, what you're talking about is actually legal to do.
4: Right. Um, so if it was up to me, there would be no patent system. And if you wanted to protect your idea, you would hold us at a trade secret, right? The source code to explain, what is it? It's a trade secret. I don't publish it. I did all the work and I keep it secret. I don't share it with anyone. So trade secrets are where actual value is. Patents are what we use to blockade competition. Let's look at Apple Computer, okay? Apple Computer, do they publish their source code? Do they put the source code of the operating system, you know, out into the world where anybody can use it so everybody can make better operating systems in the future? No way, it's a secret. Apple's never gonna share their source code. It's a trade secret. They'd never share it. However, Apple files patents constantly. They're constantly filing patents. A recent patent they filed was for a paper bag. You might not believe me, Google it. Apple files patent for paper bag. They actually did it. And it's only one of countless patents. And when you start looking at Apple's patents, they're all the same thing. It's always something like a phone that you know prevents itself from breaking when it falls or a bag that's made from recycled material. It's just all these vague ideas that aren't really new ideas at all. But the actual value of Apple computer, which is the source code and the operating system, they keep all that secret. They don't share it. And so the patent system is not being used to further inventiveness. The patent system is being used to make sure they can stop anyone from competing with them at any time.
2: So is this just a problem? It's just, is it that the patent office as a concept is outdated? Was it that it was, you know, because like it's hard to keep a steam engine uh, a trade secret because you're going to be strapping it to the outside of a train or something like that. And, And so if I, you know, Jeremiah Steam Engine invented the steam engine and I wanted to To protect my intellectual property of inventing that physical thing that I am making and producing and selling to the to the, you know, the railroad company, Um, that would be I would need some some kind of protection for something that I can't keep secret myself. So I can understand where a patent might come into play there. But when we're talking about like computer code. I mean, you were saying that that patents don't ever contain any computer code. So there's no it it will remain trade secret unless you get access to the source code.
4: Right. Unless you hack somebody. So as we move into today's uh, world, a tremendous fraction of the productivity we do is based on computer code, algorithms, social credit, identity, reputation, um, crowdsourcing. These are the things that are driving innovation the steam engine's been done. And so what patents are so commonly doing is claiming to own a vague general idea and then suing anyone that acts on that vague general idea. And specifically with software patents, let me answer your question a little more specifically. With software patents, people file a patent claiming to own the idea embodied by, from so- by some computer software. But how easy is it to have an idea that a computer should unlock software compared to actually doing it. Where's the real value? You know, I have an idea. You guys should do a mission to Mars. There we go. I had the idea. And if you do it, you're going to be hearing from my lawyer because I'm the one that thought of it. How does that sound to you? That is exactly how it sounds to me and other computer programmers when people file software patents. They claim to have an idea to do a thing but they don't actually do it, they just sue the person that did do it. And that way they get to share in the profits. And I think each person has to decide for themselves how to interpret that statement.
3: Now, I've been hearing about patent trolling for years. I didn't really fully understand it until your movie. And then I started to question, why haven't I understood it? Why hasn't there been more media coverage of this? And my only thought was, it's a pretty complicated issue. You did a fantastic job in the movie of breaking it down so I could understand it as a layperson. But is that why we haven't heard more about this in the media?
4: It's not because it's too complicated. It isn't that complicated. So I'm going to hypothesize that the conservative media and the liberal media, they each have decided who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. And you decide for yourself who that is. You decide who Fox News says is the good guy and who Fox News says is the bad guy. You decide for yourself who CNN says is the good good guy and who CNN says is the bad guy. The conservative and the liberal media, they've each got their idea of the person they want to glorify and the person they want to vilify. Well, here's my question. Where do small business entrepreneurs fit into that little rage game that the media has got going on. Where does an entrepreneur getting sued out of starting a small business fit into that? Doesn't, it's just not part of the game they play. And so it just doesn't get covered.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: Wait, so you're saying that it's you're, you think that it's in this middle ground? I mean, there's obviously some extra added layers of complication because some people are signing NDAs, but I mean, plenty of people that you even interviewed didn't and were fighting active lawsuits and stuff like that. So it seems like if the media wanted to they could interview those people. So I mean I guess that argument goes out the window. So you're saying that basically what people think about small business or or just entrepreneurs in general is so just in the middle of like I wouldn't politics? say in the middle.
4: I wouldn't say in the middle. The way I would phrase it is it's not the perfect income-based or nationality-based or race-based clickbait that the mainstream media seems to me to feed on. Instead, it's like... The conservative media—they decided who they want to be the victim. The liberal media has decided who they want to be the victim. Neither of them has decided that small business entrepreneurs are the ones they want to cover. They're not the ones that are that are getting the clicks, and so why cover the story? They 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 don't seem incentivized. Maybe it's because this is such a one-sided story, they can't come up with an opposing viewpoint to keep the conflict going. Maybe they they don't want to see a problem, expose the solution, and solve it. Because there's not as many clicks in it. Maybe they just want to keep the whole conflict uh, brewing, and so they pick they pick things to cover that are based on race or income or inequality or nationality, all the really hot button topics. I think that's just what gets the clicks on the websites.
2: Because I think most people would kind of agree that patent trolling. When, when the, the, the patent owner isn't even trying to make that technology work or that technology, uh, in air quotes, work, it, it wouldn't be much of a story. It'd be like, oh, well, that person's a jerk. We
3: should do something well, about and it. To, and, 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 to and there's
2: that, no like, well, I disagree with you, Bob. Uh, I think that that person's doing the right
3: thing. But to that point, it is so obvious to me, at least, that this should be solved. And in your movie, you talk about how in Congress it got to the point where there was a bill. And it didn't get out of, of the Senate, largely because I think trial lawyers said, uh, we kind of like this. I mean, this means a lot of work for lawyers. So let's just keep this going.
4: Yep. So it was Harry Reid specifically. Harry Reid, as soon as he saw that reform to this system was starting to bubble the top and what happened, Harry Reid said he would let the idea be discussed over his dead body. He would not let the idea be discussed. In other words, it could not be brought up in Congress and debated. And I am told, and I believed it based on plethora of of evidence, that uh, it's because Harry Reid and other people on his side of the aisle are largely supported by trial lawyers. So there seems to be this concept on the left, I think, that is more oriented around saying, we get justice through court or we get justice through the government. That's not automatically a bad thing, okay? That may be a good thing. But if it's taken too far, then you get to people saying, hey, I've got an idea. And then somebody else went and did all the work. I still want money for having the idea. And then they start taking the money, even though they never really made any sort of contribution. And so it's just like, it's like a good idea may be taken to too much of an extreme or something like that.
3: Can I go back to um, when these patent trolls come at you. It's like an episode of the Sopranos to me. It's like where uh you know Tony Soprano says, "Hey, you're going to pay me some some money so we don't uh, have an accident here." And then if you pay him the money, there's no incentive for him to stop asking for money. And so, as you pointed out in the movie, if you give in and you say, "Fine, I'll sign the NDA. Here's your check." They can just keep coming at you. And in fact, some people you interviewed, they did keep coming after them.
4: Right. So companies um, that would settle with the trolls and give them money, what they found out is that once they issued the settlement, five more trolls would come knocking. And um, it took them quite some time to finally figure out they had to finally stand up to the troll to stop just the ongoing tax. So,
2: okay, but I I, want to get to the to this point here. So there's the there's the court and the court is, you know, you're being sued in the court. It, it seems like everyone that you interviewed either settled or they were fighting it in court. What if you just did nothing? I mean, what if you just said this is a scam? I'm not going to I'm not going to bow down to you in court. Any anyone, any reasonable person who isn't corrupt should throw this out. Um, go, go, go to hell why, why don't you why doesn't anyone say that
4: people post that as the comments on my YouTube videos about patent trolling constantly they all say the same thing that's bull I shouldn't do anything I would just ignore it okay if you ignore it then the troll gets what's called summary judgment, which is where he goes to the judge, says this guy never answered, he never answered me, and I've endured a million dollars of damages. And now he won't even, you know, answer my complaint. At that point, he gets summary judgment, boop, and the judge awards for the plaintiff. Now you've got a patent troll that sues people for a living with a million dollar judgment against you. Now it becomes a different question. Can he enact the judgment? What can he do? Can he take your house? Well, I tell you one thing I bet he would do. He'd go to Google with that judgment and say, hey, Google, stop paying Austin Meyer for X-Plane. Pay us instead. Here's our judgment. It's called garnishing wages. And so when you ignore... Uh, and, and this happens also outside of patent trolling. Sometimes people ignore lawsuits because they think, well, if I just put my fingers in my ears, it'll go away. Well, yeah, you can ignore it until the person that sued you gets a summary judgment. The summary judgment is always the largest number the plaintiff could ask for. And now they're gonna start garnishing your wages and repossessing whatever you have. So the putting your fingers in your ears doesn't work uh, if you have any thing in your life that has financial value.
2: And, and all these people, do because th- those were they were targeted. That's
4: why they were targeted. They were targeted because they have enough money to be a juicy target, but probably not enough money to defend themselves.
2: So, I mean, can't you couldn't you appeal the judgment? Couldn't you have just not fought and then appeal the judgment and say this was based on fraudulent? This is a uh, bull.
4: Now we're starting to ask the question: Can does the appeal happen in the Eastern District of Texas? And is can you appeal a case because you never bothered to defend against it? Those are two pretty shaky arguments. I wouldn't want to bet my business on those.
3: So please tell me at this point of the interview that something's getting better. Like, I mean, I got to believe this is America. I got to believe that something's getting better. I have two solutions already. Oh, Jesse, solve
2: Austin, I want to run by these by you, okay? <laughs> Number one, I have I have a business uh, proposition, um, which is that... so. Usually they'd be coming after you know fifty thousand to three hundred thousand dollars for the quote unquote licensing fee extortion. I'm going to come to you, Austin. You pay me thirty thousand dollars. I have a conversation with the plaintiff, and uh, we we will come to some amicable agreement that doesn't involve you. Um, don't worry. I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
4: what? Huh? That's the thought that goes through everyone's mind, including mine. Every single person that is sued by a troll or has heard about patent trolling, that is exactly what they think. They think, first I'll ignore it, and then I'll defend myself by, shall we say, certain undisclosed means. But this is always the type of thing you wanna talk about, never the type of thing you can actually do or you actually wanna do. And we get dragged back into the real world where we're looking at a bank statement, an income stream, a company, and someone that's gonna take out a lien and claim to own all of those things if you don't play their game.
2: Then, all right, here's my second one. You patent extortion. And sue them for patent <laughs> infringement.
4: All the, I get that comment all the time, Jesse. People leave that comment all the time on my uh, YouTube videos. And unfortunately, they don't have any assets, right? Remember what they are. You are suing a company. What is this company? It is an abandoned office in Texas with a post-it note. There are no assets. There is nothing to collect. And if you sued them in the Eastern District of Texas, that would be the one lawsuit that's thrown out. If you sue them in your own jurisdiction, um, there, there is nothing to collect because they make sure that the shell... Remember, the whole reason they cannot be attacked is because they have nothing to attack. It's an empty office with a post-it note on the door. And the moment the settlement money comes in, it goes out of the company and into the pockets of the actual trolls.
2: Wait, 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 (laughs) wait. So what, but wait, you won the lawsuit, right? And doesn't the opposing... I
4: overturned the patent. I overturned the patent. Uh, the judge, perhaps not surprisingly, never held the troll accountable, though. He never had the troll pay legal fees or anything like that. And so I spent much, much more defending the lawsuit than I would have if i just given him the 50 grand.
2: Wow. What if you did win the lawsuit? What if you went to court and you proved and then then you could collect all your money back, your lawyer fees, right?
4: Well, I would I would have to actually...
3: You would have to counter-sue.
4: Yeah, I'd have to counter-sue. And then the, my, my cause of action, my cause of action, my counter-sue would be they sued me without justification. Well, in America, you can't sue somebody for suing you without justification because what is the lawsuit? It's asking the question, does this guy owe me money? You can't sue somebody for asking that question. So I ironically, I'm actually the guy that does not have a cause of action here because you can't sue someone for suing you. The most you could do is ask for your legal fees, but... In the Eastern District of Texas, under these judges, they never awarded legal fees and they never let you leave the the venue. And so we knew that that would be an absolute waste of time. And, and in my case, indeed, the judge said, no, I don't get to collect legal fees.
3: Okay, so Congress has done nothing so far. Please tell me that there's some good news. Is anything changed?
4: Yeah, so a little something has changed. Shortly after I came out with the documentary, uh, the Supreme Court ruled that if you sue someone for patent infringement, you need to sue them where they live. You don't sue them in the Eastern District of Texas. So the problem has been, shall we say, mitigated by, uh, by the Supreme Court ruling. It still happens, but now what we have is uh, patent ruling takes a slightly different form. It's what we call big game hunting. And this is where the patent trolls sue Google and Apple uh, in California. You see, they sue uh, the big companies. And then it becomes a question for the big company. Do they want to be painted as a bad guy? Do they want to take a risk? And do they want to do anything to, to destabilize the patent system? Because remember, Apple and Google, they don't want the patent system destabilized, right? This is how they maintain their... Ex- well, Maybe I shouldn't say, go so far as to say that. I believe it is one of the ways they maintain their exclusivity by owning patents on things to stop other people from being able to do the same thing. So let me say that—that that is what I believe to be the case based on my understanding. And you notice now I'm being really, really careful because I don't want to land myself uh, in hot water with the tech giant and, and say anything that might be considered as you know, libelous.
2: But I mean, don't they have... Uh... Trade secret source code?
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, Google, Apple, Microsoft, they have tremendous trade secrets, tremendous source code. And it's absolutely what they run their business on, which is a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a perfect thing. But where I think things go off the rails is then that Apple takes out a patent on a paper bag made out of recycled paper. And now if anyone else tries to compete with Apple, I can't tell you what Apple would do, okay? But I can tell you what Apple has positioned themselves to be able to do if they want. And that is sue anyone that competes with them. Blockade competition. Now, maybe I've got it all wrong. Maybe Apple would never actually sue anyone for patent infringement, okay? Maybe I'm just being suspicious here, but I can promise you Apple is constantly patenting all of these vague general ideas, and I don't see a whole lot of competition against Apple. I'm still using a Mac OS It's basically unchanged for the last 15 years. So what's the toll of the troll? What is patent trolling really doing? You know, it it used to be it would destroy small businesses by kneecapping. Now what it's doing is it's acting as a tax. Everything we buy from a big tech company is taxed with settlements going out to patent trolls. And that's a little bit of an annoying, but nobody really cares if Apple or Google has to pay money or Microsoft has to pay money, and that includes me. I don't care if they have to pay money, but I think we all know they're just gonna pass that expense on to us. But the real fear that I have is what if there has actually been an an Elon Musk of operating systems that would have competed with Apple or an Elon Musk of search engines that would have competed with Google. But what if they can't do it because the tech giants have everything so patented and locked up, nobody can compete with them? What is the loss of creativity and inventiveness due to the patent system that we can't measure?
3: Well, you just mentioned Elon Musk there, and Interesting question here is that Elon does patent stuff. Tesla does patent stuff. We see their patents. Yet Elon has said he's really not going to stop anyone who wants to make, for instance, an electric car. He's not going to hold that against them. He's not going to go after them with his patents. He's quote unquote opened his patents. So then why is he patenting stuff if he's going to open his patents? Is it to protect Tesla from patent trolls? Uh,
4: Well, so I have a bet and I don't know the answer, but I'd certainly bet even money on this if it could be proven. Tesla still takes out the patent so that if uh, Lucid or Rivian, which are not trolls, uh, or someone that is a troll, sues Tesla saying, you stole our idea of the electric car. Why, we thought of that. Well, granted, that's something Lucid and Rivian would never do, of course. But if someone were to sue Tesla for patent infringement, then Tesla can say, ah, 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 not so fast. We have the patents, here they are. So in other words, my bet is that Tesla is just playing the patent game to hold these patents defensively. So if anyone sues them for patent infringement, they're in a position where they can defend themselves and say, nope, we patented it first.
3: But now filing for patents isn't free.
4: It's it's for all intents and purposes free for a big business. What is it? I mean, you, you may know better than me, $5,000, $10,000. I don't know. It's not enough for Tesla to notice or, or Apple or a big company to notice.
3: Okay, so let me walk that back for a second. You're right. For a big company, that they already have a law firm that's probably just normal. But for the little guy, like if Jesse and I go out in the garage tomorrow and we want to invent something, to file for a patent is a big deal. We might That might be our entire quarterly revenue or something to file for a patent. And so we have to be very uh, selective about if we want to file for them or not. So basically, the big guys have a big advantage here, the Apples and the Teslas, because they can file for a lot of, of these things. Plus... Uh, If you ever think of suing one of those companies, you know they have lawyers, um, whereas Jesse and I don't.
4: So, again, it comes down to anti-competitive behavior. Patents are used, they're technically, a patent is technically, and I'm speaking clinically here, a patent is a government-granted monopoly okay once the government hands you a patent you have a monopoly on that on that idea you cannot you you can stop anyone from doing that thing that's written down on that piece of paper and so our government was supposedly put in place to stop monopolies but with the patent system they are literally Executing the machinery to grant monopolies on a massive scale to anyone that'll file the paperwork. And so, uh, a small business like you is at a comically ridiculous competitive disadvantage. I mean, disadvantage doesn't even do it justice, right? If it comes to a patent war between you and Samsung, you know, it's, it, that's not a war. That's one company just, you know, walking over another. And so the patent system, Uh, certainly does favor the large companies, uh, as you've said. But I have a slightly more fundamental concern than that. Here's my concern, and this one might surprise you just a little bit. Let's say you guys file a patent. I actually believe that when you file that patent, you may still be in the wrong. Because while you think that you invented something, I have to ask you, do you have mental ESP with every human on the planet? Do you know that no one else has thought of this before? somewhere else in the world, and you just haven't heard about it? How can you say that's not the case? There are so many patents for the same thing. The same thing is just patented over and over. There's like hundreds of patents for Wi-Fi. Everybody claims to be the initial inventor of it. And if you file a patent, I don't think you have a way of knowing that... There's not someone else that has the same, a similar idea. You know, people come to me with ideas all the time, right? And so often I hear the same ideas over and over, or someone will give me an obvious idea. Like, I have an idea, an app that reminds you of your wife's birthday. I'm not kidding. I've gotten that as a pitch from someone. Austin, you ought to code this. That I had this idea, an app, and it reminds, it reminds you of people's birthdays. I'm like, well, aren't there other apps that do that already? Like, well, I don't know. I never researched it. And, you know, so if you file a patent, do you really know you're the first person to think of something? You know, I, I'm not I'm not so sure I'd, I'd be quick to, to buy into that.
3: To Austin's point, let's just say you and I both were competing to come up with the best, you know, uh, cotton gin. And uh, on the same day in this in a different workshop, we both come up with essentially the same thing. Sure. Who cares? Why? Why should one of us get a monopoly over the other on it? Why not just both of us make ours? One of our businesses does better than the other. Great. Like, but I mean, that's an edge case why for the well i mean if you're thinking
2: if you're thinking of the patent office they they weren't thinking of that that was an edge case that was like well Uh, I don't think anyone would think of the same thing at the same time. There's only like 12 dudes who have
3: the means to produce anything of value inventively. Alright, but let me change that. You invented it first. I come to your trade show. I see that you've invented it. I go home and I make the exact same thing. Sure. Okay? And then I go out and try and sell my exact same thing.
2: I would have to sue you and claim uh, that I had prior art. No, but what I mean is... I would have to say, look...
3: uh, No, 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 but what what I mean is... At the
2: 1862 World Fair, you could have no, my
3: exhibit where I made the time machine. You're and- missing the point. What I'm saying is if we got rid of the patent office, we got rid of owning a monopoly on sure. that thing, that idea, then we're just both out making the same thing. And you, yeah, you thought of it first. Why, why do you, because you thought of it first, why do you get to have 20 years of lockup?
2: Well, right. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, I think that it, the rate of innovation for when the patent office was put into place, 20 years to, to recoup your investment on uh, the time and the energy to.
4: Are you, are you seeing these things change faster than once every 20 years?
2: That's what I'm saying. Like, like the, the 20 year idea was like, well, I'm going to make a machine that can make ice. And you don't have to go to a pond and drag it out of the pond anymore. And you can make ice anywhere in the world. So I want to. and that took me a very long time and money. And so well, now but, I need to it,
3: recoup my investment. But I guess what I'm asking is if we didn't ever have the patent system, would innovation have stopped?
2: Well, why would I have wanted
3: to have invented that? Because you still could sell your ice. Yeah, but I mean, if
2: if some other company could have come in and swiped my invention from under me, I I would have kept it locked up in my garage.
3: There aren't just iPhones now. There's all sorts of phones and they're all making money.
4: Yeah, let's I think one thing we need to do to lock this down, guys, is to let's talk about the present rather than the past, because inventing a steam engine long ago, a whole company needed to have all this money and they got the pistons and the levers and they're steaming across the Great Continental Divide and there's a 20 year recoup on investment. That is the world the Patent Office was built in. That's not the world we live in today. Why did Twitter work? Is it because they patented it? Is it because there's no other people trying to be like Twitter? No, they had all the right machinery, technology, ideas, reputation, credit, capital, right thing, right time. And when they did it, boom, they were out there. Why did you do your video? Is it because there are you know 10, 20 years of research and development and nobody else better make any YouTube videos or we'll go bankrupt? No, you did it because you saw what had to be said and you were going to damn well say it. Why did I do explain? I didn't like Microsoft Flight Simulators. so I was like, well, I'm going to make my own dang sim then. None of us are thinking about patents. None of us need patent protection. And then what carries us into the future? With me, what carries me into the future? My reputation, my name, my customers, my customer support, and my source code, which I keep secret. What carries you into the future? Your reputation, your research, your development, your customer base. What do patents have to do with this? Nothing. They haven't protected any of us. We don't even have them. I don't have a patent. I doubt you do either.
3: So what's the answer going forward?
4: Well, okay, so so I can give you the easiest possible answer. There shouldn't be software patents. I mean, software patents are just plain stupid, right? Uh software patent is we say, I have the idea of a, you know, a computer doing a thing. You know, I have the idea of numbers being added. That's just stupid. Software patents are, are just so dumb because you're just saying that you own the idea of a computer program without actually going to the trouble to write it. And so uh, obliteration of software patents would just be the most easily, you know, ridiculously zero cost to enact slam dunk you could imagine because at that point the way you have software is you create software and the way you make money from it is by getting it to customers so obliteration of software patents wouldn't wouldn't cost a penny and would do a huge amount to solve the problem. For up to me, there would be no patent system at all. What we would do is keep our ideas secret and make our money based on, on quality of customer service and quality of deliverable and you know tech support and all the things that so many people do badly. It's frankly easy to do better.
3: This reminds me of music publishing. I mean, I'm a music publisher and I live in this world where, and we all live in this world, right? Where if I sing five notes right now, my my video gets taken down. Um, a better world, I think, would be if we changed the stupid system of music publishing publishing so that I could pay that artist for their song a reasonable amount and they would benefit and I would benefit. Instead, I can't even play that song. So they're not getting any play on this video and so they're seeing no money for it and only the big guys you know the lady gagas of the world who are represented by a big you know uh label are getting any money out of this and i think that's the same kind of system it was invented w- long long time ago when it was basically sheet music <laughs> and, and he's and, a composer right and whoa what did amadeus mozart come up with today <laughs> Ah, oh, shall we see? And and again, and, yeah, and we just and because it does benefit a small number of very rich people, the system hasn't changed. And I imagine the same thing is true here with the patent system. It does benefit some very powerful people, and they don't want to change. It, it benefits people with a lot of money because yeah. it, it it means that they can they've got a monopoly attack
2: people with patents uh, and and also defend their patents because yep. they
3: have their own their their whole legal department. And you know, it's funny when you get into a political discussion around the dinner table at Thanksgiving or something, I highly doubt that patents is what you guys are going to be talking about. It's usually whatever the politicians told us to argue about in that cycle.
4: And what the media told us to argue about in that cycle, which is the 1% of the 1% of the 1% of the actual problems facing the nation.
3: Exactly. And this is an issue I think, like you mentioned earlier, we would all agree around a dinner table about and say, great, let's have our politicians change the system. But we're not talking about it. And that's why I wanted to talk to you today. And that's why your movie is so dang important. So, again, if you haven't yet, stop watching. Go watch The Patent Scam. It is so important that you do so that you understand what has happened in the world and what is happening.
4: It was fun to make. I kind of enjoyed making it.
3: I I can see why. You got to fly all over the country. You got to find
2: this den of scum and villainy. I can't believe that you... You have some balls dude oh my god i thought i thought that you were going to turn around at one point in the video and there was just going to be a cowboy with a gun (laughs) and he's going to shoot you dead (laughs) on this street like because you were knocking on too many doors i can't believe you had the the balls to do that
3: it Um, felt like we were in russia like i thought the story was taking place (laughs) in like oligarchy russia and instead it's here in america it would
2: fit so well in
3: the inquisition Era of the world. It just I can't. And if you're a Texan, you definitely have to watch it because oh this gosh. is happening, you know, in your state, or at least happened. Or, or happened, happened. So yeah. glad that that's no longer the yeah.
4: case. Yeah. So there, there were two confrontations that didn't make it into the movie because the the footage was deleted or or I didn't take it. But um, yeah. One one of the people that administered one of these house of trolls or troll hives, uh said she was calling the police if I didn't delete the footage. And I knew if she called the cops, uh, the cops weren't there to look out for my interest. They were there to look out for their community interest. And so I actually deleted some footage. What she didn't know is I, I crept back later and got the footage quietly. So I still got it. But what you didn't see is the defensiveness of the other side. And they said, you better delete that footage or I'm calling the police. There was another one where a private investigation firm, a firm that does private, like Magnum PI, they were filing patent infringement lawsuits in Texas. Literally, we're a PI firm and we do patent trolling on the side. Seriously, it, it was clearly a cut and dry, you know, a recipe, a recipe of how to how to be a patent troll was circulating in eastern Texas. And I go into the uh, office, so, like, you know, I'm doing an investigation of my own. Why am I seeing patent infringement lawsuits coming out of a private investigator's office? It's like, you better get out of here right now and comes at me and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And uh, so, yeah, there 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 were a few moments that were a little a little bit uh, a little bit hair raising.
3: I couldn't believe when you got footage of an attorney who actually was seemingly proud of the fact that he goes after people who use Wi-Fi in their Internet cafes. And it's just Yeah, like- he
4: sued people. He, he would go after if a bed and breakfast had Wi-Fi, he would sue the bed and breakfast saying it was my idea to use Wi-Fi to attract customers. That's what his patent was. His patent wasn't the invention of Wi-Fi. His patent was using Wi-Fi. The idea of using Wi-Fi to attract customers. And since he'd do bed and breakfast and, you know, hotels and coffee shops and whatnot for stealing his idea by having Wi-Fi available at their shops. And the way I got the interview, this is interesting. If I inter- tried to get the interview myself, I never would have gotten it. My film crew, we had an intern that didn't know who I was or what I was doing and so he literally did not know that he was setting up an ambush while he set it up. He's like, we want to talk to you about patents. Can you tell us about patents? He was like, oh, I'm going to tell these guys about patents. I'll tell them exactly what I want them to believe. And that's because our intermediary our messenger that set up the interview literally didn't have the sense to know what kind of facts I was going to dig in there to expose and pull out.
3: Wow, thank you for all the work you did, Austin. I mean, I can't imagine the amount of work that you put into making that that documentary it's so important
4: oh it's the same amount of work you guys put in a typical six months probably it's fun
3: i don't know that was it was awesome it was amazing (laughs) and i mean i i honestly don't have the guts that you do to go knocking on doors in east texas so thank you for doing all that work thank you for sharing with us today what's going on if people have questions about this uh who who should i mean who should they talk to because i bet a lot of people now are a little bit more scared than they were the day before
4: Don't be scared. You know, that's, that's another type of reaction I get from people. They say, I wanted to start up a small business. And now that I've seen the patent scam, I'm afraid to do it. And I just, that, that, that to me, that's, that's a heartbreaking thing. Um, don't, don't let yourself not start a business. Just, just don't, don't answer to fear like that. Remember, the Supreme Court has ruled they have to sue you where you live now. So if you start up a small business now, and if anyone does sue you for patent infringement, they will be presenting themselves to a judge in your hometown. And uh, at that point things are going to start getting pretty nasty for the troll. So um, don't be afraid to start a small business. Patent trolling is still a problem, but they're primarily going after the big companies now to get the payouts because a big company has a vested interest in keeping the patent system going because that's how they blockade competition. So patent trolling continues to restrict uh, creativity and growth and competition, but don't let it stop you from starting a small business.
2: I can't believe that your movie didn't have something to do with the supreme court's mm. decision i just think that getting information out there and putting it in such a concise and well delivered and well explained format and again go watch the movie if you're watching this still i, I if you haven't seen the movie it's great that you want to watch to the end it, and i appreciate that but go watch this movie it will change your perspective on things but i'm so i'm so convinced that your movie yeah. definitely had something to do with the fact so. of the changes. I'm so thankful to you that you, that you didn't give in. You, and I think you honestly, I think that you, the reason that people shouldn't be afraid anymore is I think you really had something to do with it. Yeah. Austin, I am consistently impressed with you and your amazing contributions to humanity. Thank you.
3: My pleasure. Glad to do it. Oh, I am so mad. I want to fix this broken patent system.
2: And you can see why Elon has opened his patents.
3: Yeah. I always wondered why Tesla bothered to file for patents, which, by the way, costs tens of thousands of dollars to file for. So don't just be like, well, you just fill out a sheet and you send it in. No, you got to hire patent attorneys and that's not cheap. And it takes a lot of time. Like the people who do the invention also have to sit in on meetings and fill things out. So it's a lot of work. So why would you do that if you're just going to open them up?
2: Yeah. And it's twofold. Tesla files for the patent to protect themselves from patent trolls who would say, oh, Oh, I
3: filed for a stainless steel exoskeleton Cybertruck. Ha ha, let me sue you. And then Tesla opens them up because Elon doesn't want to stifle innovation. He doesn't want to become a patent troll himself going like, I've patented electric vehicles so no one else can work on them. He wants companies to make the latest and most technologically advanced sustainable products. And the
2: way that Elon is doing business kind of flies in the face of the patent system in the way that they kind of envisioned it. To a certain extent. I mean, I don't think that the patent system was ever supposed to be like, well, I patent the electric car. Oh, well, uh, Dave said that he
3: patented the electric car, so uh, I guess no one should be able to do it. Yeah, the way I had always understood it was that if you invented an electric car and no one else had figured it out, you could patent that, but not the concept of an electric car. Because (laughs) again, as Elon said many times before, saying, you know, I want to go to the moon, that's an idea. And that's an idea. (laughs) Going to the moon, Making that happen, Mm -hmm. that's hard to do. So I think it's
2: really great that Tesla opens up their patents. It protects themselves, yes, but it also protects other people making the same designs.
3: Yeah. And I mean, look at what happened with uh, Nikola, right? They sued Tesla because they're like, we have a truck that looks like your truck, so you can't make your truck. Right. Um, And he knew that this would happen to him. And the reason it hasn't happened more often is because he's doing this. He's filing constantly for patents. So he's protecting himself, not so that he can stand there and say, here's our portfolio of patents that makes our company so valuable so that they can just do business. He's basically found this hack to work around the system. And we only learned about this because of Austin's work.
2: And it wasn't a very cheap hack either.
3: It's not like, oh, well, that's the easy way to to go. It's
2: not easy at all. I mean, it might be easier than being faced with a thousand patent troll lawsuits, but I mean, really, this is what we need to do. You're creating barriers of entry to to running businesses, and I don't think that that's what the patent system was supposed no. to do. Is actually supposed to give the the inventor you know, a leg up over companies that could just come in and and bulldoze him or her. So
3: I, I can't stress enough how amazing Austin's documentary, The Patent Scam, is. I mean, first of all, you have to go watch it right now. You can find it in the show notes below. I am so impressed with the work that Austin put into making this
2: documentary. I mean, he flew to Texas and not Houston. He flew to where was it? Yeah, the middle of nowhere, Uh, (laughs) eastern Texas. Part of Texas you've never thought of and is very far away from anywhere. Um, And he confronted the very people who were doing the – awful patent scams. Yeah. I mean, it took some
3: real guts to do what he did. And, and I think his work actually helped make the change. I mean, as we discussed in the interview, the Supreme Court ruled that you can no longer do what happened to Austin. You can't file a lawsuit in the Eastern District of Texas and then make the defendants go to the Eastern District of Texas to defend themselves there. Right.
2: And so, yeah, I think that whether in whole or in part, Austin's documentary made an impact. And I think that it's really important to show that someone can make a difference like that and i'm and i'm just so thankful to austin that he spent the the time the money the resources the effort um to make not just a youtube video not just a a movie not just a video where he's sitting down and explaining it he made an entertaining feature length documentary if you can applaud him in the comments down below give him some love down there please because What an awesome guy, because I just want to remind you, this is the same guy who put up a million dollars. Of his own money. Of his own money to buy four electric school buses and then give them away in his home state. Yeah. And you know that that's going to make a difference. You know that the parents of the students who get on that bus are going to be gloating to those other parents who their, their kids are getting on the diesel buses and they're going to go, why are my children getting on such dirty buses?
3: Yeah, if you haven't seen that interview, go check it out here.